What's up, guys? This is Carter Hockman for Off the Post Boston Sports and 30 Second Sports, my website. I am here with Kaylee Fratkin of the Boston Pride, defenseman number 13. Thanks Hi. for coming. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I just want to start with uh, your background a little bit. You're from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. And you went, you decided to go to Boston University. You had two brothers that also played hockey. Is that, uh, is that the case? Yes. And so what was that like for you uh, growing up in a hockey family? Yeah. Um, so my oldest brother uh, is five years older than me, and then we have a brother kind of in between us. Uh, my oldest brothers, Jesse and Casey, uh, they were both uh, really into hockey. Um, and because I was kind of the third and the youngest, um, they always called us like the Fratkin brothers, um, even though I was the, the only sister. Um, and I'd hang around the rink all the time. And then just got into hockey and um, really took um, a nice following to it and then uh, really played um, in the same organizations that my brothers did and kind of followed suit and um, then got to a really competitive level where, um, you know, we were looking at colleges for myself. Uh, my oldest brother actually went to Brown University, uh, which actually made me look at, at BU and look at the, uh, the Northeast in particular. Um, and then my middle brother was still playing junior hockey, so he was trying to figure out as well, like, where he would be going. Uh, and he was taking interest from schools in the Northeast. So we... Uh, that was kind of an influence as to why I chose to go to BU. Did your parents play hockey at all growing up? No, well, my dad, my dad was actually a professional golfer. So wow. <laughs> my dad is the athletic one. He played baseball. He was scouted by the Yankees when he was like 13. And then um, he was, uh, took a knack for, for golf. So he's actually the true athlete in the family. Yeah. Um, and he played hockey in law school just for fun. So As um, you do when you're in law school. Yeah, of course. Uh, he was fun. I mean, he played football um, too when he was younger. He was just like a total well-rounded athlete. Um, so he's definitely the athletic genes, I think, where we all get it from. No, not to discredit my mom. She's, she was a good runner, but uh, my dad's definitely the athlete. So you mentioned that you know, your brown, your, your bro, one of your brothers went to Brown, um, and that sort of led to the decision to look at the Northeast. What other schools were you looking at before you ultimately landed at BU, and what was, what was that, that factor that was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Boston University? Yeah, I was, I was looking at Harvard. I was looking at Northeastern. I was actually looking a lot at hockey schools, um, and I was going through – um, some admission stuff for about a year for, for Harvard and there were some great things that I loved about that school but then there was an opportunity to have a full ride scholarship from, from BU with an absolutely great um, academic program uh, I knew I wanted to go into either business or communications and BU has a great communication school um, and then the hockey team was a new program so they were only in its fifth year kind of when I joined on um, and, and as being a division one program yep. Um, and that was like a big influence for me. I knew some really good hockey players that uh, were, were coming to the school and that had you know, just started to really establish the program, some players that I played in the Canadian Women's National Team program with. Um, and so kind of all those factors really came into play, but certainly the, the academic side and then, then the hockey as well. So at BU, um, you had 66 points in your career, if uh, Wikipedia served me correctly. <laughs> Um, 2013-2014 New England D1 All-Star, Hockey's first team All-Star, and then you went to the Canada U22s and you won a gold medal in the 2015 Nations Cup. Can you talk about how that experience at BU and, and Canada sort of maybe pushed you towards the pros and gave you an idea of, hey, maybe I want to play professional hockey? 
Yeah, um, it was kind of an interesting time when I was in college because the only thing really to look forward to post uh, or, or post college or um, kind of when you were leaving college was the national team program. Um, you know, whether an Olympics, World Championships, whatever it may be, that was kind of the only thing that was there. The CWHL did exist, but that wasn't really top of mind for most players. And so um, that's my senior year. Um, we had a very successful season as a team. Individually, I had a successful season. And, um, you know, getting a crack and an opportunity to play for your national team is um, always something that you definitely take pride in. So it was really cool. I got to travel to Germany. Um, I actually played for the U18 team at Worlds um, way back when, in like 2009. So it was kind of, and it was in Germany in Fusen, in the same place U22 was. So it was kind of full circle about uh, eight years later, or, um, you know, seven, eight years later, coming back um, and being able to. Um, you know, play the same rank, but and wear a, a Team Canada jersey again. So that dream sort of starts to become a reality, and you're, you're drafted in the fifth round of the 2014 CWHL draft by the Boston Blades. Um, your first impressions of, well, here I am. I'm going to play pro hockey. Yeah, um, it was really exciting um, because you know that league uh, was the only league that was around um, and there were some great hockey players playing it you know the best players in North America were playing um, you had some great Canadian players that I had an opportunity to play with um, with the Canada staff right at those camps and then you had the USA players that were mainly playing for the Blades um, I was not sure if I, I I knew I wanted to stay in the United States um, and was talking um, with Northeastern about starting my master's degree program and so it lined really perfectly that the Blades drafted me and that there was an opportunity to play and so I could kind of pursue further education and then play for a team and I mean our team was unbelievable. We had um, you know literally every player on Team Canada and USA we had an absolutely loaded roster um, so to be able to kind of get drafted to that team and, and be in the mix of those types of players um, it was really exciting. So did you know that when you wanted to go and do your pursue your master's at Northeastern what went into the decision of not doing a fifth year at Northeastern and instead just playing with uh, the Boston Blades? Um, so I, I was trying to do both um, and I think that's just kind of the nature of where women's hockey was at at that time was I really didn't know how long my career was going to be um, because you weren't really making money um, in the C-Dub and uh, so the opportunity to further my education I was doing sports leadership um, knew that I wanted to pursue kind of a profession in in sports in the communication uh, realm business realm so um, it kind of made sense to do both at the same time and the balance of being able to play in the CWHL and still um, do school was was feasible and talk me through that transition between the CWHL to the NWHL yeah, again, like a very, very interesting time in the sport. Um, and I think maybe because I'm a 92 born, it just so happened that I kind of fell into a lot of these opportunities that popped up. But uh, my end of CWHL year um, with the Blades, uh, we won the Clarkson Cup, which was pretty cool. Um, and it was 2015? 2015. Yep. So coming off of that year, um, you know, in the off season, I was like, you know, I still want to play hockey again. It was really cool. We were, you know, we won the Clarkson Cup. Like, why not? Still doing school. I have school for another year. Like, why not? Um, and then uh, about May came around and there was all this talks about um, something called the National Women's Hockey League, um, that a league was going to start. And there was, I got an email saying, hey, there's a league starting called the National Women's Hockey League. We're going to pay the players. Um, you know, this is what the salaries are typically going to look like. Um, you know, would you like to come out to a free agent camp? Yeah. And so I Who was that email from? Um, it was actually from Danny Ryland. Um, and I um, 
with my my best friend and roommate um, at the time at BU. Um, she played at BU as well, and I was like, "Hey, do you have interest in going?" And she played a little bit. She played in the C Dub. She played for the Blades. Yep. And I was like, "Hey, you want you want to go try out for this?" And we were like, "So should we try out in Boston or should we go somewhere else?" And she had been in Boston her whole entire life, and I was like, "Let's do it. Like, let's just go to Connecticut. Like, let's go try out in Connecticut." So we did, and we ended up playing there in our first year. So you start with the Connecticut Whale. You move on to the Metropolitan Rivers, and then you ultimately land at where you're at now with the Boston Pride. What's the biggest difference between how, maybe not the best way to ask this, but what's the biggest difference, is there a difference at all between the way the three teams are run, or is it sort of a universal, this is the NWHL, these are the coaches, these are how the practices are set up. What's the biggest difference between the three teams that you've played for? Well, it's definitely evolved. So I played uh, for the Whale at a time in the first year. Um, so there were some great things that came on. I think the setup that we had in, in Southern Connecticut, we were playing out of Stanford's, so we were playing in Chelsea Piers. It was a great venue. Um, you know, in the past three years, the Whale has changed their venues. So they were um, they were at Northford Pavilion, and then they moved back to Terry Connors, and then they are now at Danbury. So I think at the time of when I played for them, it was a really cool rink that they play in, but now they also play in a pretty professional rink as well. So um, I would say um, the organization was was uh, run great. We had a great setup with a strength and conditioning um, uh, blue streak they were called um, up there. So there there was a lot of things in the first year that were awesome. Um, and then um, the the coach for the Riveters, uh, Chad Wiseman, called me up at the end of the first season for the uh, for the Whale and was like, "Do you want to come play for the Riveters?" And I was like, "Sure." Um, and that was at the time before I had even had talks with the Whales, but he was pursuing me and um, knew some of the kind of cool players that they were trying to get. Um, you know, Kessel and Janine Weber was playing there. So there was, you know, and some of these young players coming out of Harvard um, that I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come play. Offered me a pretty nice salary. So I was like, sure, why not? Um, and joined their organization. Again, it was, it was a little bit different than um, the Whale, I would say, because of um, coaching staff um, was definitely different. And then... Um, the uh, we played at um, so it was a step up I would say in a rink venue you know you were playing in the Devils practice um, arena at Barnabas and we had our own locker room and so there was a little bit of elevation in you know the type of professionalism that you talk about um, and then uh, I, so I was living in New Jersey then um, and then also to throw in a wrench into all of this I'm Canadian so imagine um, I was finishing up my master's through that whole time um, but also was trying to figure out my work visa situation um, which totally is a total side off conversation oh, yeah. but it's something to consider in you know international players um, you know decisions of where they're going to play um, and so ultimately that was a big decision and for me after the year two with the Riveters to come back to, to Boston and be here. And mind you you were the first Canadian to sign in the NWHL so you can sort of wear that on your sleeve too yeah you know you break down a lot of uh barriers or a lot of firsts and I think um you know there's a lot that I've learned as being a international player in this league and I think it's paved the way for a lot more Canadians a lot more international players to come play in this league and that's that's literally an absolute key to growing continuing to grow this league so you finish with the Metropolitan Riveters what leads to the transition to the Boston Pride yeah, so um, I really always wanted to stay in Boston. Sort of full circle. Full almost. circle. Um, you know, I, I started here, uh, like we were talking about with the CWHL and the Blades, um, and then I wanted to kind of 
I established myself away from always being in Boston. I went to school here, I played here, I played with the same players. It was just a lot of, um, I was kind of ready to leave and, and kind of establish myself as a, as a different player with, with an organization. I was almost a little bit of a suitcase because I was, you know, year after year going, but I think it was just the nature of the NWHL. There was always so much changing each year that um, there was an opportunity to come back to Boston and there was a spot for me as a defenseman here. Um, and so um, our coach at the time, uh, was, would love to mention he said that he would love to have me back and so I, I came back to Boston would you say Boston is sort of almost your second home at this point absolutely it uh, definitely has become my second home and so you know you've you've had significant experience in the CWHL and the NWHL at this point what would you say between the two what are the biggest differences biggest differences um, between the two leagues is um, there's a couple things. Pay is number one. Um, I would say pay is the biggest thing. Uh, 50-50 revenue split um, has been absolutely huge for this year. Um, TV, our broadcasting streaming deal with Twitch um, is huge. Um, and then our partnership with the Bruins um, being a part of the, the Boston Pride. Um, and those are kind of really, really key factors. Um, obviously, we are in a really nice venue here um, at Warrior Arena for, for games. Um, and there's a lot of that professionalism that comes into play. But from a business standpoint, um, the CWHL was, um, when it was in existence, was a not-for-profit league. I mean, they were established as a nonprofit, and the CWHL is a, or sorry, the NWHL is a for-profit business model. So uh, right off the bat, I think that kind of in itself explains, um, you know, from a business standpoint, and then obviously the reaping of benefits of, of pay and, and so on and so forth was a big structure difference. And I was I was at the the All Star game and the skills competition. How would you say, just in terms of production, you've seen that grow in your time in the NWHL? Oh, immensely. Um, and I think the All Star game actually is a huge testament to to the growth of this league and how it continues to evolve and grow each year. Um, last year it was in Nashville and um, had a kind of a paired deal where they were playing, um, you know, right before uh, a Predators game. Um, so, and then the year before that's in Minnesota and then uh, Pittsburgh and, and Buffalo. So kind of seen it from, you know, the first year when it was in Buffalo it's to kind of where it is cities. now. Big hockey cities and, and expanding cities in these markets that like want women's teams you know you do the autograph signing after and you know this time around it was different because it was in Boston but and the other times in different markets people that are in the autograph lines are like when is a women's team coming here like we want a team so um, it's really cool to see that so I want to move on to the NWHO which I, it's it's fifth season I believe yeah or it's in the midst of its fifth season as a, as a professional league it's the first pro women's hockey league in the U.S. Um, the league is built around the understanding that you women have other jobs or continuing education you know, the practices are at night, games are on the weekends, typically. Um, what would you say is, is how do you see the, the league progressing with the idea that eventually salaries are going to increase and it might turn into a league where, you know, you, this is your primary job? Yeah, I think for um, right now, the, um, the economy of, the, of women's hockey and kind of where the league is sitting, um, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Um, in, in kind of the best way to explain it to someone is, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't want to be practicing at night. I'd love to be practicing at 10 a.m. Um, for, for a skate every single day um, and making that my full-time job. And eventually I hope that, you know, as the, the demand for the sport grows and ticket sales grow and all the and attendance into to buildings grow and everything else grows, that, you know, everything else can follow suit. So you are talking about getting paid full-time salaries. But right now it's kind of the best of both worlds because I can continue to grow my professional career outside of hockey. 
hockey. Um, I work for Under Armour, as I was telling you beforehand, in marketing, and I can establish myself in a professional standpoint, but still also grow and establish myself in the professional hockey game. So um, it is a balancing act. Um, you know, there's a lot of girls in our league that are doing some amazing things. We have girls in law school that are balancing, you know, that, um, you know, continuing education and, and trying to train and, and practice and, and travel, um, as well as coaching. And then we have girls that teach and do, um, you know, biomedical engineers. I mean, we have girls that are doing some crazy stuff, but I think right now what's so cool about it is that you get to still, um, you know, grow your professional career because a lot of professional athletes, um, you know, you grow yourself as a professional athlete. And then when you're done, you have to start from ground zero to grow your professional career. So it's kind of a unique um, way to think about it, but it really is for a lot of these girls allowing you to kind of get the best of both worlds, um, make some money playing hockey and still make money being a, you know, being out in the professional world and growing your business acumen at the same time. So. And it almost works out coming from, you know, being a student athlete for the last four years. It's almost as if you're now a professional student athlete. You can continue playing the sport that you love earn a wage while doing it and continue your professional aspirations, which is, I think, unique in that way. And it does better prepare you for, um, for life after the sport, because as you're always told growing up, you know, there's life after hockey for me, you know, there's life after soccer. Totally. Um, and that was something, um, just to give you an idea, my oldest brother, Jesse, when he was done playing at Brown, um, he was playing in the East coast hockey league. So he's playing for Stockton Thunder at the time. And, um, you know, he was in his second season. He actually had a career ending concussion. So, um, that kind of derailed uh, everything. But regardless, you know, he was playing the East Coast Hockey League as an undrafted player, trying to ground it out and make it to the show. And, um, you know, he looks, he's definitely a huge advisor for myself um, in my playing career now to look back and say, you know, I never got to, you know, I had my, my Brown degree, but I had to kind of establish myself trying to play hockey. And then, then I had to start from ground zero to then start my professional career. And he was only doing it for two years. He's like, imagine if I was doing it for 10, 10 years. Um, you know, which a lot of these players do. So I think at the time of where the sport is right now, it makes sense to keep it like this. I think when it comes to a point where, you know, the economy, it's, it's hitting that, that growth. I mean, it's growing right now, but it hits that, that cusp point where, like, the demand for people to get into rinks is, like, through the roof. Ticket sales are through the roof. You know, all that stuff is there. Then it makes sense to be paying the players more and making it a full-time job. It's almost as if you could look at these other major leagues like the NFL, the NBA, and you could, they could learn something from the NWHL because you, you see these stories all the time that players are either right out of college or right out of high school or they did the one year in college and then their professional career ends, either they retire, they're injured, and they can't come back, and all of a sudden they're not prepared for their life after their sport. So this, I think, the NWHL is, should be applauded for that. Absolutely. Especially, uh, you know, a, a women's run league, and, um, you know, and, it, and it's a women's sport, women's professional sport as well. Um, I think that's, that's something that you can't look, look lightly to in the, in the situation. So aside from, you know, you look at the average salary being about $15,000 and the salary cap, growing to, I think, this year, I think it's $270,000 um, based off of, I may be incorrect. Yeah, so um, the the salary cap this year is 150 In year one, it was two seventy. dollars yeah. um, And then this year's $150,000. Uh, so your average pay, I think, right, because there's a 50-50 revenue split, so that yep. definitely pushes, I think it increased each salary by 26% yep. is what they're saying. So, um, yes, so it, to your point, yeah. yes. Definitely. Yeah. And so how have you seen, aside from, you know, you look at the, the Twitch, the games being streamed on Twitch and, and the pay fluctuation, I would call it. Yep. 
what have you seen the biggest growth points in terms of positives for the league and, and since you've been a part of it? Yeah, um, kind of what I uh, said before about the um, 50-50 revenue split I think is huge. Um, you know, now you'll start to see discussions. Uh, WNBA has been, um, a lot of different professional leagues um, have now been um, looking at a business model uh, for a 50-50 revenue split between players in the league um, for other professional leagues. Um, and it's kind of cool that they're now reverting back to this NWHL model. Um, and I feel like that's the biggest thing because it also empowers the players to get out there um, and use our own connections in the business world to seek out sponsors or seek out um, you know people that want to have partnerships with the league, want deals with the league um so that's i'd say kind of the the biggest thing um because any deal that comes in 50 percent of it goes to the players and then gets cascaded down whatever percent that you make off the salary cap so um you know at the end of the season you're making a nice you know extra bonus check so i'd say that's definitely big um viewership on twitch i mean that deal has been massive for us uh on average you know there's five six 7,000 um, viewers on Twitch for one hockey game. There was 10,000 um, a couple weekends ago. Um, even the All-Star game had, you know, a good amount of fans um, for that too. And then... I was in attendance. Yeah, no, no, no. But even um, uh, even for attendance at games, I mean, Minnesota just had 1,200 at their, you know, last one of their home games on Saturday for their last game of this, the regular season. So um, it's stuff like that. And, and I, I know you mentioned you're here for All-Star, but I know some of the things that, uh, you know, were individually owned. So we, I think, definitely have set the bar this year for what other teams want to aspire to. But if you see, like, the in-game, um, obviously in-game I'm playing, but I get to see on social media after kind of the fan zones that we have and that we have, like, all these different companies coming out and, you know, setting up booths for people. So it's so much more of an experiential aspect for these people when they come to the games which is really cool because in year one we never had that you know we just had the the merchandise table and people would come up you know now Connecticut has um you know mascots and Minnesota has Cappy the mascot and I know Blades um you know Bruins mascot has come to a bunch of our games too so there is a started these these feels of this experiential aspect I think for fans when they come to these games it's like not that they're just coming to watch hockey but they're coming for the experience and all these little kids get so excited to come support um another professional hockey team in area absolutely and we we mentioned it before you mentioned it with with playing in the new jersey devils facility and now we're in the boston Bruins practice facility warrior ice arena have you seen or have you seen any real support from nhl teams and how has that really helped the league i I have to reference obviously the three-on-three tournament or the three-on-three game at the at the nhl all-star game this this past uh what month was it um before in january yeah yeah so yeah how have you seen that support and how has it affected the league or helped it yeah, I would say support from the NHL in general um, and support individually from a lot of work organizations um, has helped. Um, you know, I still think there's a long way to go um, and there there needs to be more of it, but I think um, it's a step in the right direction. And yeah. I think, like you say, like at being able to showcase, um, you know, women's hockey players at an NHL All-Star game and giving them an opportunity to play some three-on-three hockey as opposed to just being um, kind of demonstrators for, for the skills comp um, is definitely a huge growth in, in one year. Um, you know, the assistance of some of these organizations like the Capitals and it was it was the Devils and, um, you know, now the, the Rangers or, um, you know, the Bruins here, like just having um, that kind of support. Um, it's certainly important. I think it like I said, it definitely has a long way to go, but it's there. And um, each year, it seems like it's increasing each year, which is showing growth. And, and that's a positive. So what kind of support have you seen? And I guess I should follow it up with what would you like to see happen? Yeah, um, 
that's a that's a loaded question because um, you'd like to see a lot happen. But um, you know, uh, I would say, um, for example, last night the Minnesota Wild game, they did a um, it was like hockey is for for everyone night, but they were showcasing um, the Minnesota the Minnesota Whitecaps at their game. So that's just like a, a showing that there is a quality there um, and they are recognizing and promoting um, and continuing to you know market and promote the, the women's team in their market. Um, I would say same thing with the Bruins. Um, we had a showcase. Um, so for Nesson, um, there was an intermission broadcast for one of the games a couple weekends ago to promo leading up um, to All-Star Weekend, but also cover the pride for, for how great of a season we were having. So there was coverage at the Bruins game. Um, they had like a little promo um, for our team up on like the Jumbotron, um, stuff like that kind of the marketing and promoting side um, has been great um, and those are just kind of some some small little things I think into where we have to grow I think it it, it shouldn't be these one-off things it needs yeah. to be continual every single day and you know every time that you know maybe the Bruins are going out in the community they should be having the Boston Pride there as well or anytime the the Minnesota Wild are there they should be bringing the Whitecaps or um, you know the the Rangers with um, you know the Metropolitan Riveters or whoever it may be um, a lot of these organizations stepping up to the plate and not just doing these one-off off, you know, once, twice a year, three times a year deal. It should be kind of every day where it's second nature, where when people are thinking about the Boston Bruins, they're also thinking about the Boston Pride. And you just have to say, I play pro hockey here. And someone automatically is like, you play for the Boston Pride. And they're not even like, oh, so, you know, that person's like, oh, the okay, women's professional hockey. Oh, yes, I've heard of the Boston Pride. It should just be get to a point where they're doing so much help and support to promote us that um, it's kind of a mutually beneficial um, situation. But, Absolutely. So what would you say, I guess another loaded question right off the, um, back to back, what would you say that needs to happen to continue or continue to happen for the NWHL to reach the level, I guess we could call it success uh, for uh, the NW, the N, excuse me, the WNBA or the NWSL, uh, which they're, which themselves are still growing. Yeah. Um, time yeah. is one. You have yeah. to think about WNBA has been around for what, 23 years now. Yep. Um, NWSL has folded a crap ton of times and is still you know um definitely is a long has gone through like a long road of ups and downs as well i mean both leagues have but um time you know the nwhl has only been around this is our fifth season like we said like there it's it's not going to happen overnight and i know um you would think in 2020 in this day and age where um it should be um and and that we shouldn't be in this situation but uh i think uh, reality is is the sport of hockey in general is much farther behind even in the men's game is much farther behind than you know the nfl the the MLB and um, the NBA. So then now you throw into and even uh, world and even soccer. I mean, we're talking about European soccer and, and here in the NWSL or sorry, um, uh, MLS in general. So um, long winded here, you know, the sport of hockey is still men's, women's. It's very far behind. I would say time is huge. Um, I think to a point where it's individually owned. So like I said, Boston, I think has set the bar for having individual ownership um, and kind of having our own franchise and uh, our, the way we run our organization uh, differently. And like I said, other teams kind of strive to emulate that. So I'd say that, you know, having teams that are individually owned would be huge, um, you know, with an affiliated partnership with, um, you know, their male counterpart team in the NHL. And, um, you know, over time, that expansion of, of more teams, um, you know, those are things that are, um, you know, totally important to, to making it a, you know, 30 some odd team league, um, you know, making it to, to, to like you want to say, like a, 
you know, woman's equivalent of exactly what the NHL, you know, is, but that takes time. Um, and I don't think it's going to be, you know, the NHL coming in to save the league. I don't think so at all. I think what the trajectory of what the NWHL is doing each year and the way it's growing and how it's striving for individual ownership and um, accruing these, these sponsorships that are helping ultimately put more pocket into players, um, as long as that can keep going. But uh, it, it's a long road. I'm going to be probably 80 by the time it happens. But um, but no, it's in its fifth year, and I think there's a ton of growth to, to be had. Absolutely, and I'm excited to see where this league heads. Um, but meanwhile, we got the Boston Pride, 23-1 and this season. Yeah. Won your last four in a row. 120 goals for, 43 against. What separates you guys from the rest of the league? <laughs> um, I would say uh, we've got a lot of depth. You know, we have a lot of really talented players that came out of college last year. Um, it's our team chemistry. I'd say on and off the ice. Um, we have a really, really good group this year that is just thinking about the team first, and I think that's why we've had so so much success. Um, individual efforts this year, um, individual seasons for a lot of people are like year's best um, you know, ever in their career. So um, I would say a lot of that comes into account, but we have a really, really fun group and a great group, and um, it's been great up until now. And do you see some sort of connection? I want to I want to circle back a little bit to the NWHL between viewership with the NWHL and that sort of path back to the national team, whether it be Team USA, Team Canada. I don't know how many other players we have from different countries, Team Germany, whoever it may be. Do you see that sort of connection between? I I liken it to Major League Soccer or or um, or the Premier League, where a lot of these players will circle back to between their club and the national team. Do you see sort of that connection growing with the NWHL? Yeah, um, I I would say that um, it's a it's it has its ebb and flows um, with it. I think right now where women's hockey is with um, you know this year in particular has been very different than most. Um, just with um, the establishment of the PWHPA has definitely changed a lot of things for the NWHL, but there definitely is. Um, there is that connection and I think as this league continues to grow there's going to be more connection of that so you'll see players from you know Czech Czech Republic that we had like last year there was a lot of players from Czech um, you know Austria um, there's players in the league with the Austrian national team or the Finnish or Swedish I think you'll see more of that and as the league continues to grow and the demand is there and the viewership that we talk about and the salaries increase um, you'll probably start to see way more increase of that but um, it's it's ebbs and flows right now I would say so back to the pride we have the Isabel Cup semifinals for you guys this Saturday, or it's Sunday, excuse me, the 8th. Um, what are you guys doing to get ready, and do you have sort of an idea of who you might be playing? You know, you have to wait till Friday uh, yeah. to find out, but who is that game, uh, what game is being played on Friday, and what are you guys doing to prepare? Yeah, so Friday is going to be Connecticut in Buffalo in Buffalo. So whoever wins will play. Um, I think one of those teams would travel on Saturday to play a Sunday. Um, we have practice tonight, um, practice tomorrow, and then practice Saturday um, to prep for the game for whoever we're playing. Um, regardless, I mean, we've the, the kind of good thing about this league um, with the small amount of teams is that you face – you know, we faced Connecticut already like six times this year, and same with Buffalo. So you, you know what you're getting. Buffalo actually has picked up two players right out of college from Merrimack, a goalie and a forward, um, that I think have had good games in that their first weekend um, playing the league. So, um, you know, a lot of these teams have like picked up last minute players. Um, so it's not going to be exactly the same team than what you're used to, but um, all we can do is kind of focus on ourselves at this point. Um, like I said, we face these teams so much. 
that it's really just going to come down to you know us us putting a good effort forth and um, I think right now we're just doing um, everything team system wise everything um, you know taking care of bodies we've had a lot of people sick this week so I think you know just taking care of yourself this week is super important um, and then just focusing I mean it's really a one game knockout it doesn't really matter how well we had of a regular season at this point we have to win um, you know one hockey game and hopefully two to, to take home the cup the Isabel Cup appropriately named after Lord Stanley's daughter yep um, huge game on Sunday coming up so good luck to you thank you I will be in attendance I'm very excited Um, this has been an episode of Off the Post Boston Sports all Boston all sports all the time also be appearing on my website 30 Second Sports Kaylee Fracken thank you for, for stopping by yeah thanks for having me thank you